Hello and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host. I am joined, as always, by Mark Larocco. Mark, welcome. Thank you. It's uh, it's good to be here. We're we're working our way, slogging our way, just doing what we can to get through January. I don't know. I, I can't speak for you, Mark. I'm not a big fan of, of January. I kind of struggle with the beginning of the year. Maybe it's just the letdown of the holidays, the the pressure of the entire year ahead, or maybe it's just that most of the movies that come out in January are crap. But yeah. I don't know, how, do, how do you feel about January, Mark? I don't mind it because I kind of like sort of the resetting of, of goals, which I've heard, you know, I've heard someone say that it, New Year's resolutions are, are dumb because if you need to make a goal <laughs> or a change in your life, you shouldn't wait till January 1st or whatever. Like if it's important enough to have a goal to do it, you just start then. But I do anyway. I made a bunch of resolutions this week, and um, nice. Uh, I'll tell you one of the movie-related ones. It's to become a, okay. a Spielberg completist. So Ooh. some of them are just easy, fun, guilty pleasure goals, which is I want to watch all the Spielberg movies. I'm not going to watch them all this year. I'm going to just make sure I watch all the ones I've never seen before. But I'm sure I'll watch okay. a few others. Um, but yeah, I, I so I actually I don't mind January. I kind of like it. But yeah, the yeah. movie the movie quality is definitely lacking. Right, right. As as we will address here in a moment, um, I I do actually like the whole New Year's resolution goal thing, and I I understand the idea. I mean, I think it's a valid argument that you know if it's something that's important, why why wait? Right. But there's there's also something to be said about clear breaks and specific days and, and organization. I mean, I, I, most of the time when I've been able to accomplish things, it, a lot of it has had to do with me being able to kind of structure some kind of a regiment, some kind of a habit or pattern. And, uh, so I, I get the idea that, you know, if everybody's kind of thinking about this at the same time, it's might maybe a little, maybe it's kind of like Christmas, right? Where we can all focus on being kinder, kinder people at yeah. the same time yeah. instead of, Instead of waking up in the middle of April and thinking, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. I need to I need to stop being a jerk on the freeway. <laughs> waking up on tax day. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, so so we are we are in January. Um, we've got uh, we have one new movie to talk about. We have a couple of movies I think that you are going to catch us up on. Um, and then there was a. Uh, I guess a fairly significant awards show that took place recently, and we can we can talk about that. And you know, of course, my my natural ambivalence for all things will emerge as always. But uh, we'll we'll make it entertaining for you. First thing today, we'll we'll talk about the new movie. A, a new movie came out or is coming out this weekend. This weekend being what is this going to be? January thirteenth. Um, it's called Plane. And Mark, I'm going to give you three guesses. <laughs> to tell me what you think plane is about may i have the spelling please (laughs) could you use it in a sentence i could yeah a new movie called plane came out this weekend okay that's there's your sentence no it's it's p-l-a-n-e okay it's the uh, gerard butler movie correct yes yes it is yes it is i when i saw that title i laughed i believe i laughed out loud because (laughs) to me it's it's a perfect example of a january release it's like (laughs) <laughs> We're not hiding the ball here. We're going to appeal right. to people who just want to see a movie about a plane. We're not going to try to make a fancy, create some kind of fancy title or misleading title. Or um, it's good, and just I'm, going to put forth the minimal effort, right? Exactly. And I'm like, does, is there even another movie called Plane? You'd think such a simple title. Maybe there is another movie, but maybe that's the only one in existence because it's so simple. 
It's not even the plane or planes, which is a, a Pixar movie, I believe. Well, there's Airplane, which is one of the all-time right. greatest comedies. Airplane, that's but right. This is this is just plain. This is just plain. Yes, not snakes yeah. on a, but just plain. Nope, not even that much detail. But here, you want to know the funny thing? Yes, it's actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. Wait, so we have a, a recommendation. You didn't, you didn't see that from coming, you, Josh? Did you? Are you recommending this movie? <laughs> uh, pretty darn close. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think I would. Okay. Um. So yeah, so so plane, go figure, is about an airplane. Um, it is an action adventure. Uh, I don't know how to describe it beyond that. I mean, it's it's Gerard Butler, uh, who I don't know. We we think we probably associate him most with Three Hundred, right? Which I've never seen. So, but yes, I think that's the most common, well known. Yeah, movie he's well, been in. and I don't. I don't think I've ever seen that all the way through, but I've seen so many clips and memes mm -hmm. that I think that you don't really need to have seen the movie to kind of get it. Um, anyway, so yeah, so he plays a Scottish airline pilot who is making a connection between, I believe it was Singapore and Hong Kong. And it's this late night flight it's very very thin there's only about a dozen passengers on board plus the crew um and they get struck by lightning oh. this is all very early on what's what's interesting is that uh, uh what could be the plot of one movie is really just kind of a setup for this one because the beginning of the movie it has them getting hit by lightning they're trying to fly through a storm um and then as a result they have to make an emergency landing and they make an emergency landing on a, an island full of uh, evil people, I guess. I don't want to give too much away um, okay. because this is actually something I would recommend okay. for the most part. Um, and so one, but, but another thing that I can kind of give you for, for setup is that uh, the among the passengers is a federal prisoner who's being uh, extradited. Is that when you get arrested in another country and you get sent back to your other home country, that's extradited, right? Yeah. Yep. Extradition. Yeah. So he is, and this, this is, uh, he is played by Mike Coulter, who was uh, Luke Cage in the Netflix series, oh, okay. if you saw that. Yeah. So, so he and Jared Butler are the main two guys. Um, and so he's on this plane. And so the question after they crash land is, okay, well, or after they, like emergency landing, right? After is, okay, well, so first of all, we have to get rescued. We have to contact, you know, the, the outside world. I mean, it's, and this is, you know, this is kind of an early thing in it. So I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. Like it was a really great opening kind of suspenseful kind of emergency crash scene because, you know, they get hit by the lightning and you have all the turbulence like normal, but then you're in the cockpit and all the lights are off. Mm. So this lightning just knocks out everything. Okay. And you just kind of start thinking about what would that be like to be, you know, in some, however, I don't know how many millions of dollars these, these planes are, or if it's still in the thousands, but, you know, to be, th to be up there with a couple dozen lives and all of your instruments are gone, yeah. like everything. Right. And so, so it's, it's kind of cool. They, they, they set it up well. Um, one thing leads to another, leads to another. Um, I wouldn't say that it is the most shocking or suspenseful or, or surprising plot, 
but there is a plot to it and there's some cool elements and and some fun elements uh things get kind of crazy at the end you know you don't feel like they're just kind of arbitrarily you know going through the motions um I mean, I don't know that I would say this is really something that deserves to be like a big, you know, summer blockbuster action movie or anything like that. I mean, uh, but for for what you're used to in January, I thought this was pretty, pretty darn good. It was there was there was a lot of I mean, I felt engaged the whole time. I felt like um, I was interested in what was happening and I felt like it was suspenseful. You know, they there. In fact, there was one one scene that I can kind of kind of give you without the context to, to avoid too much spoilers, but there's a, there's a hand-to-hand combat scene that unless I wasn't, unless I was missing something, I think it was all in one take. And so kind of instead of the, the, the crazy shaky cam, lots of edits, so you don't know what's going on. It's just chaos. Mm-hmm. It was pretty well executed. Okay. Um, in fact, that's that was kind of my big takeaway was that, you know, because as, as the dust settled, I mean, I, I walked out of the theater thinking, wow, that was a lot better than I expected it to be. Um, what's wrong here? You know, what am I what am I missing? Yeah. Right. And uh, I, kind of upon a little further reflection over the last over the last day or so, uh, you know, the characters are still pretty two dimensional. There's there's not a whole lot of depth to them. And, you know, this this isn't any any great acting tutorial. You know, if you. This isn't Die Hard, right? Yeah. Even though it is kind of kind of Die Hard on a on a uh-huh. island in the Philippines in a way, but uh, um, it, like I said, it, it held my attention. It was suspenseful. I I enjoyed it. I felt like the execution of it, like in terms of the directing and the editing and you know the staging and all that was was pretty well done and you know maybe maybe a little bit more depth with the characters a little bit you know more with the acting and that might have made it a better action movie but man bottom line if you want to go see something in january i this is gonna you know i thought this did a pretty good job now um it is it is an r-rated action movie um not i mean it's uh there's language that isn't pervasive but there's enough to get it an r rating uh in terms of profanity and then especially towards the end the violence gets uh uh a bit more a bit more graphic although it's one of those strange phenomena where because of who the violence is happening to you're almost cheering as much as like it's oh, not, yeah. <laughs> it's not upsetting violence in the same way if that makes sense yeah. it's kind of yeah so so with those with those caveats with those parameters uh you know not bad for a january release is what i would have to say plain okay they uh luckily they put a, they invested a little bit more in the movie than they did in the title <laughs> good to know okay so yeah yeah um now you were saying that that you had gone to watch or at least one and a half of the movies that we had discussed previously that you hadn't gotten to yeah right? i appreciate it or is it one and a third technically well right? a third <laughs> I, well, I listened to steve sales we had him on a few weeks ago and when we talked about our year-end movies top movies of 2022 and he listed, in addition to some of the movies that we both love, such as Top Gun Maverick, several movies I didn't see. Uh, one of them was, well, I'll start with RRR. That was, this is this uh, Indian uh, action epic 
uh, movie that is I don't I don't really think I can review it because I've only seen about a third of it. It's three hours long. It has has <laughs> a, a musical element, I guess, that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, and it's kind of an anti-colonialist uh, tale of some uh, some Indians trying to avenge or right a wrong against British colonialists uh, that are you know that are kind of in charge of India and um, the act. So it's a like a period piece, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and the and the uh, anyway, from what I'm seeing so far, it's just really not like much I've ever seen. I mean, the action choreography is so well done and there's parts that are kind of funny and um just kind of ridiculous i don't know if you remember the first time for example you ever saw crouching tiger hidden dragon and oh, i remember it very well they basically are <laughs> defying the laws of gravity just completely <laughs> like no attempt at realism um, you know, they're floating basically on the tops of tree branches that would only hold a few pounds of weight. And it's, you know, 180 pound humans. And I, I understood they used wires. They didn't really use CG. They used a lot of wire technology for a lot of those scenes. Yeah, right. Um, and I'm not saying this is exactly like this because this is a less serious movie. I mean, that's really a tragedy and doesn't have a lot of comedy. And this has some some comedy and I think some of the scenes are meant to be funny but just the way that like a character can just completely destroy literally dozens and dozens of would-be assailants is is just I mean it had to be weeks and weeks of staging some of these scenes and so it's it's an interesting movie I'm excited to finish it um the other movie that I did finish really liked quite a bit and probably would have made my top 10 list if I'd seen it in time was the movie she said uh, that that Steve Sales recommended, and this is the yeah. true story about the two New York Times reporters um, who took down Jody Cantor and uh, their names are Jody Cantor and Megan Tui, uh, who basically revealed the uh, sexual abuse allegations of Harvey Weinstein against just a bunch of actresses and others involved in the movie business, starting basically in the early 1990s. Um, and a movie is quite powerful, and it's quite interesting because it's very talky. Um, it's it's a drama, and this is a this is a journalism. I call it journalists or heroes movies, a journalism <laughs> procedural where you have investigative reporters who are trying to take down or find the truth about some big, powerful, you know, say like a corporate entity or a president in the case of all the president's men, you know, we're talking about president Nixon or the Catholic church in the case of the movie spotlight, which is a, yeah. I frankly, it's a better film, but this is still pretty close. Um, and this one is a, really, even though it's Harvey Weinstein, it's kind of representative of the Hollywood industry or the so-called casting couch. Because when, yeah. you know, when people are trying to break into the acting business and it's a young starlet and, and a rich and powerful producer, I mean, the you know the theory is that well the producer can use anything he wants even his desire for sex to help make the career of the young actress and they kind of explicitly reject that theory in this movie that anything like that happened and maybe not that it has ever happened but certainly in this case it's it's a man who's abusing his power and not doing uh there's really no consensual activity um, and to the extent that it's even questionable that there's consensual activity, this movie makes you hate Barbie, Harvey Weinstein so much. It's like, 
he definitely abuses power. He definitely mm-hmm. committed rapes. And, th- and this is not a spoiler for anything. I mean, he's been convicted now sure. of, you know, rape in two different states, actually. Um, his lawyers are trying to appeal, but he's, I believe he's currently serving a 23-year sentence, and he's not in good health. He's in his late 60s and will most likely spend the rest of his life in prison. Um, but at the time, it was kind of an open secret in Hollywood that he was this horribly abusive man, but somehow lots of people put up with it. So I was kind of surprised that you'll find several actresses in this movie who play themselves. Um, Because when the scandal broke, it was very recent. Like this book is, I think it's a 2019 book. And the the story was published in near the end of 2017 in the New York Times. And then the movie came out in 2022. So it's all fairly fresh. And so Ashley Judd and Gwyneth Paltrow play themselves. and uh, and then everyone else is, is played by actors, you know, like Andre Brower from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is, is one of their editors. And Patricia Clarkson oh, okay. is in it. And the two main characters are played by Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan. Um, and they make them look as plain as possible. I mean, they don't look like they do in a lot of movies, but they're they're playing reporters. And I always see the stereotype that reporters have to be just not quite as attractive as other people so it's like you can tell they're not wearing as much makeup the hair is you know more plain and it's funny because they're both very you know very beautiful actresses but um i i thought that you know and this is one thing that steve pointed out that i i paid attention to how hard is it to get women to talk about this kind of thing and the whole title of the movie is she said and i think it's a play on the whole he said she said um, phrase you'll hear sometimes and um, because there's almost no evidence of sexual assault, and that's a common problem in sexual assault and rape and sexual harassment cases, is there really is almost no evidence of this. It's always allegations. But if you get enough people to make allegations that are consistent with each other and people who are able to tell, for example, about what they saw someone else do to another person, to a third party, well, that becomes pretty strong evidence even though there's no physical or me- medical evidence. Um, but it's, it was very difficult because some, a lot of these people either still have careers and they wanted to maintain careers in Hollywood, so they just don't right. want to ruffle feathers, or they've signed NDAs. And so the movie mm-hmm. goes into that quite a bit. Like, what are the ways, legal workarounds, to somebody who signed an NDA that they probably never should have signed in the first place where there's clearly a huge imbalance of power and the settlement they received was probably a pittance you know maybe they should have never done it but they felt they had no choice so there's a little bit of the movie deals with like ndas and and that kind of thing um but it's it is a good journalist or heroes movie i mean and and yeah. we watched it and it was funny i i think i just turned it on and, and my wife i don't even know if she cared to watch it and within 20 or 30 minutes it was like no matter how late it was at night like we were both watching this thing to the end to like 11 45 oh. at night um because it was pretty pretty captivating so no, i highly i highly recommend it um and it, and i was happy also though it is rated r because it has swearing in it has the f word in it but i i noticed that it has no they don't even try to depict even though there's flashbacks in the movie and there's scenes mm-hmm. where you know, a, one of the women who's being interviewed by a reporter will be telling her story and then it'll show her as a, you know, around the time that it happened or younger, like maybe in the 90s, like working on a film by Miramax, which was the, the company started by the, the Weinstein brothers. 
It's actually named after the par- their parents, Miriam and Max Weinstein. Um, but they, they'll, they never even showed any of the sexual assaults. I was really glad for that. And I thought, you know, one of the reasons they did that is it's a very women-centric movie, movie that's very respectful to women. It's written by women, it stars women, it's directed by a woman, Maria Schrader, and they just don't want to go anywhere near any sort of even potential objectification of women, I believe. And also, Harvey was famous for doing that. He added nude scenes to movies that didn't have them, or he added, like, for example, with Frida, um, which was like Salma Hayek's longtime passion project right, that she loved. Right. He forced her to add, like, a lesbian nude scene that she didn't want to have in there, that she felt she had to add in order to get the movie made. And so this movie is only R for language. Um, now, and it does describe, you know, I mean, it's described some of the assaults that occur and it's pretty hard to listen to because it's told by the victims, which also reminded me of the movie Spotlight. So I, it's probably R for that as well. Um, but it's, I mean, it, for, you know, for people who care about that, I mean, it, it appears to be pretty fact-based and based on their, their book. Uh, the, by the two reporters who wrote the book um, and for which I believe for their reporting anyway, that they won a, a Pulitzer Prize. Um, so interesting Hollywood will turn on itself sometimes, or at least kind of it's their way of Eventually. saying, Hey, we're not, yeah, we didn't do this. Obviously none of the people involved in the making of this movie, you know, were, were supporting or uh, allow, you know, allowing this kind of thing to occur. Um, and some, and like I said, some of the actual victims are in this movie. So it, there were parts where it really felt like a docudrama, uh, almost close to a documentary in some ways. Really? Um, so, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, for me, it's like a, I don't know what their star rating is, but four and a half, four to four and a half stars out uh-huh. of five. Um, I think that's something we got to figure out. We got to come up with a... We should, huh? Yeah. A, a something, something unique to the Utah Film Pod because, hey, I mean... Look at us. We've got two and a third recommended recommended movies mm-hmm. in this episode. Like that's that doesn't happen too often. Yeah. You know? Unless we're going through like the best of the year or something, apparently. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, uh I if I can kind of backtrack a little bit, I you're you're bringing back memories when you brought up the the crouching tiger. Um I in fact, this is this is one of those ones where I I remember a few things specifically about it because unless unless my memory has completely failed me, I want to say that I remember seeing that at the Jordan Commons IMAX, and part of the reason I remember is because where they have the re- the the luxury recliner row now, they had a big bright green couch that was a cricket wireless promotion. And so people could sit on the cricket couch to watch the IMAX movies. Oh. I was not sitting on the cricket couch, but I could see it from where I was at. Okay. And I'm pretty sure I was on a date too. Like, I think this was a movie that I got free tickets to. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I don't know, maybe that says something about my, my, my dating habits is <laughs> <laughs> using, Hey, I got some free stuff. I can go on a date. Um, but uh, no, I, I absolutely had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, I knew it was a martial arts movie, I knew that it was, you know, basically a foreign film. Um, but during that first fight scene, when the characters start doing things that defy the laws of physics, yeah, no clue, no idea yeah. what was, and it was just, there was just kind of this moment of, oh, okay, yeah, 
well, we're doing this now. And, right. and I, I enjoyed it. I mean, by, by the end of the movie, you know, you kind of understand what's going on. And so you see, oh, okay, well, right. this is, it's a know, fantasy. There's, there's, yeah. Right. You realize, right. okay, this is a fantasy. Uh-huh. And, and Ang Lee even says, he's like, this is, prob- this is from the China of my childhood, probably a China that never uh, existed, like from his childhood yeah. dreams almost. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, to my, again, you know, my memory being what it is, if I, if I remember right, that was really kind of the movie that kicked off kind of a few years of more, how would I put it? Like martial arts movies that were featured to American audiences a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously there's always been a lot of martial arts cinema, you know, even back with Bruce Lee and stuff like that. But, but I, in my, in my mind, I'm seeing Crouching Tiger is the first movie over the course of about like four or five years where there were just a bunch of oh, yeah. similar artistic, like they're Hero like period, is the one that keeps yeah, spring period to mind. martial arts, not like modern martial arts movies. And yeah. um, House of Flying Daggers is one that I really right. love. I have that right. one. Um, okay. Hero, which was, I think was Jeffy. Yeah. There, there were uh-huh. several, and, and it's true. They, they House of Flying uh, Daggers has really cool just beautiful scenes in the forest with these green bamboo, uh, you know, everywhere basically used to, to shield weapons. And, um, and, and like crouching tiger, it's scenes that are just meant almost more for their beauty than their believability maybe. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But yeah, I liked that one quite a bit. In fact, I believe mm-hmm. the same actress, Zhang Ziyi, if I remember her name, she's also in memoirs of a geisha. I think she's in both. Okay. Crouching Tiger and also playing daggers, but yeah, yeah, no, I it's 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 just funny you mentioned that because that is that is one of those movies that I I have very clear memories of seeing for the first time, mostly because I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah, and and I I didn't um, either. I mean, I began I enjoyed it too, but I think you gotta be maybe you just have to be in the mood for it. Because my wife tells me when she and her friends went and saw it in the theater, they just made fun of it the whole time, like they were <laughs> laughing at you know at, at it, but. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, there and that's I mean that's a whole category of its own or it's just movies that you really have to be you know, I think the way we've always put it is oh you have to be with the right group of people, mm-hmm. you know, or or it's completely lost on you, you know. It was um I think it was pretty close to winning best picture. I mean, I know it. Did it really? Yeah, Parasite just a couple of years ago was the first foreign language movie ever won best picture, but Crouching Tiger it won the you know the Golden Globes. It won the Best Picture, uh, Best An- uh, Foreign Film, and I think okay. three other Oscars, like um, maybe Cinematography. I got to check, but also Score for sure. I remember, and that year was a split between Best Director and Best Picture between um, Gladiator and Traffic, and, oh. and 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 no movie really dominated. I don't think any movie won more than four Oscars. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I thought it was quite deserving. I, I liked mm-hmm. it better than any of the other nominees that year. I remember in 2000. Yeah. I vaguely remember traffic. I'm pretty sure that I've seen it. Mm. It was Steven Soderbergh, wasn't Steven it? Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. It's one of those ensemble yeah. movies. Right. that's it's pretty graphic. It's, and yeah. I remember being, well, it's, and it's got a different filter for every, every storyline. Yeah. So it was, it was like, well, it was yellow in Mexico and blue in the U S and so it kind of helped keep right. you oriented, but you didn't really need it. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was quite good. Um, I guess speaking of awards, 
We should talk about. Oh, should we segue? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice job, Mr. Larago. <laughs> Let's uh, let's do that. Yeah, that's um, that's the other piece of news, right? Is that they they just uh, gave out the Golden Globe Awards, so gives us something something to chat about because you know we're huge into these award shows, aren't we? I, I oh, am. Wait, wait, I, I'm wait, still was... a nerd for this kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I follow it every year, even though it's it it is a little bit less and less interesting to me as as they. They don't like to choose too many popular movies. That seems to be more and more of a problem. Yeah. Um, it almost seems to be deliberate sometimes, but maybe it's just that the popular slash good movies aren't being made as often. And then also, uh, the you know, they get too political sometimes. So it just kind of turns you off. No, it's it's a combination um, of things. Yeah. There's, there, there's definitely... I would, I would have to say at best, it's a love-hate thing for me. Yeah. You know? Um, for all of the downsides, I don't think I'm ever going to get to a place where I just won't love movies. Yeah, me too. And, and as much as there are, there are times when I kind of think, oh, I just need to just walk away from the new stuff and just watch all the old movies and be happy, you know, with, with, because there's so many, I mean, my goodness, I've been, uh, teaching, uh, a couple of survey of film courses at Weber this semester and you know you go through the textbook and just realize man I haven't seen anything <laughs> you know there are just so, so many, many huh? movies out there and I mean I'm, I'm sure that you and I compared to just you know the first person you grab off the street has seen we've we've seen a lot of movies yeah but even even I don't feel like I've scratched the surface sometimes with some of this stuff. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, and so so I'll, I'm always going to love movies, but there are a lot of things about the movie making business that I am really not very fond of, mm-hmm. and and I think the award shows kind of bring the good and the bad into vivid relief. You know, um, uh, I. I don't know that I have ever actually watched the Golden Globes. Um, and I have watched the Oscars almost exclusively because my friend throws a party every year to do so. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy getting together with that group of friends. Um, but uh, but let's talk about those Golden Globes. Yeah. Because they, uh, they they gave some awards out to some movies we've been talking about and Quite some a movies bit. we've seen. And, it, it, in some know. ways, it was fairly mainstream. Uh, not a lot of surprises. Very chalky in, in who won. But let me give you a little bit of background because last year, they did not have the Golden Globes. And um, what happened is two years ago, it was revealed that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which was a apparently an association of about 87 or so foreign journalists um, were comprised entirely of non-black members. There were not a single black member, um, even though they're from all these different countries. And this was, this was revealed during the summer of George Floyd. And of course all this racial reckoning was happening and every, everybody was Mm -hmm. becoming aware of these kind of things. And, um, and so a bunch of, Hollywood bigwigs even spoke out against the Golden Globes. Um, Tom Cruise, for example, returned his three Golden Globes. Other people said they would be boycotting. They wouldn't be attending. Um, And so 
NBC apparently renegotiated its contract from nine years down to one, and they uh, they did not even hold. Uh, the, what I mean is the TV showing it, you know, the actual giving of the awards on a on the TV show. Uh, they did not hold the Golden Globes in 2022. They just basically released the list of winners on Twitter, and it was the most okay. uneventful, anticlimactic awards giving probably ever, at least in terms of the entertainment business, you know, like for movies yeah. and TV shows. So people found out they won on Twitter and, <laughs> and that was it, you know? And so this year they, they, it was relegated to a Tuesday night, which is not considered a great night for these shows are almost always on Sundays, both the Oscars and the golden Globes. And okay. they hired a, a gay black comic named Jared Carmichael to be the host. And one of the very first things he said was, I'm here because I'm black, which drew laughs, you know, because everybody kind of knew it was true. And then he also said when he was negotiating whether or not he was even going to host after he'd already been asked, but they wanted to speak with him. The president of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association wanted to talk with him. He, he declined. But then he said, but I'm unfireable. Like, they can't fire me. They've asked a black host to, to help restore their image. And by the way, they did they did invite more black members in the past year, you know, to be members of the Hollywood Foreign Press, Press Association. But they asked a black host, and he he joked, you know, last night that he was unfireable. He could just do anything, and he'd still get the gig. And he got paid a half a million dollars to do that, which he also was very open about. So his monologue was extremely self-referential and more revealing, and not even about movies or TV shows at all. Um, huh. It was quite unusual. And it was quite low-key in a way. He, he was very soft-spoken, and he paused a lot, and even sat down. It, it was quite unusual. Um, and I watched part of it. I, 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 I didn't watch all of it, which I, I don't even in the past usually. Um, although when Ricky Gervais or Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were hosting, they were just hilarious, good, you know, I mean, roasting, one roast after another. Sure. Um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the, the you've probably seen the clips, clips on YouTube, yeah. sure. Anyway, and he and Jared wasn't quite as quite as good, but I, you know, I kind of admire him for a couple of things he said, you know, in his monologue. But um, so let's get into the winners. Okay, so the, as far as the winners, uh, um, I'll start with the good. So Kwi Kwan, who is the best supporting actor, he won best supporting actor for Everything Everywhere All at Once. He plays right. the husband of Michelle Yao's character, uh, Evelyn Wang, I think was her name. And, and she also won. So that movie won two awards. Yeah. And his speech was so good. It's, it like brings tears to your eyes. He's crying. He talks about how he was a child actor discovered by Steven Spielberg. And he looked at Steven Spielberg and he said, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Steven Spielberg. You know, because he, he was in the room because of the Fablemans. And because um, he, he played Short Round. I was going to say, because we, I mean, we know him yeah. as Short Round. We know him as... Uh... Was it Data? Yeah, was he was the character Data, in Goonies. I, I believe. Yeah, yeah. He, but he, but he didn't really do much after that. Um, he still worked in Hollywood, but not in acting. And he had a hard time finding work. And he, and here we are, you know, almost forty years later. And then the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner, who directed everything everywhere all at once, they asked him to be in the movie, and so he thanked them. And he just talked. It was kind of a never give up on your dreams. You know, he said he was. He, uh, he didn't peak as a child. He always worried his whole life he peaked as a child when he was lucky enough to be chosen to be in Temple of Doom. Um, and he was just sincerely very emotional in his speech. 
for winning a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. And so it was great. So it feels like, oh, he's back. He's maybe he'll be in some other big some other big movies. I don't know. Um, as we stated, Michelle Yao. Won. It was it was fun to see him. It was yeah. it was really fun to see him in that movie. And and it was it was one of those things where. I was watching the movie. I did not know beforehand he was in it. I didn't either. But I'm watching that character and thinking, he looks familiar. Even the way he right? talks, he has kind of a higher yeah. pitch. He still has an, an uh, accent. And he, yeah, I, I didn't know until later either, until after I'd seen it, that, that was yeah, him. That's cool. Um, I am I am kind of surprised that he got, I mean, because I, I mean, obviously I liked what he did. I, I don't, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, because we had what Brendan Gleeson was, also, or was this okay? So this is one of the things that confuses me a little bit, or maybe not confuses me, but I guess is just kind of a question about the Golden Globes because I know that they pretty much divide their movies into two broad categories, right? Yeah. Because you either have the drama or you have the comedy or musical, which is weird to me in that some of the movies they select as comedies. I mean, because they 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 put Banshees of Inisherin in as a comedy, mm-hmm. and yeah, it is funny in places, but you know, if I was if I was uh, in the video store putting things on the racks, yeah. I don't think I would take it over to the comedy section. You know, I I thought it was pretty funny, um, but I don't like. I I'm totally fine with it being in the drama. I think it probably is better to call it a drama than a comedy. Because movies, of course, can be both. But, I mean, it's weird because uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, they also put in the musical comedy category. Yeah. Which, yeah. okay, it's just a weird movie. I don't know what that is. And then Elvis, they put in the drama category, which has more music than any of these music slash comedy. Right. Right. And he won, too. Didn't, didn't he? He did win. Uh, yeah. So here's, here's where the Golden Globes, it's a predictor sometimes of the Oscars, although there's not an overlap with the voters, but it also, well, first of all, there's TV involved, which I won't get too much into the TV part of it. Yeah. And also, I, I, none of the things I wanted to win won, so I'm like, I don't really care as much. <laughs> um, almost any, I would have been happy with almost any of the limited series drama dramas winning over House of, uh, House of the Dragon, which I've never seen. All the other choices were great, I thought. Like Better Call Saul and The Crown and yeah. Severance. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, back to movies. So they do divide it up between the drama category and then the music slash comedy category. Oscars doesn't do that. So we get to see right. two Best Actor winners and two Best Actress winners. So Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. won for Tar and Michelle Yeoh won for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So yeah. those are probably the yeah. two front runners in the Oscars. On the actor side, you meant you it mentioned Colin Austin Farrell, Butler. right? Right, and then Colin and- Farrell. And, and normally drama wins out. Oscars kind of do that too. So probably Colin Farrell and Kate Kate Blanchett are the front runners, even though Kate's mm-hmm. already won twice. Um, and then well, I, no, wait, because oh, so they had, but Carl, but uh, but Banshees was the comedy musical, right? Right. So didn't you say that the drama would be the the front runner? Because that um, would be oh, awesome you're right. Probably. I was talking about the movies. Yeah, you're right. For the actors. Um, uh, I keep forgetting. You're right. Austin Butler is in the drama category, not the music category. Yeah. And Colin Farrell is in the um, the comedy music category. I think he is see, the front we're, we're illustrating here why this is This is absurd. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you see it sometimes even with, they call it category fraud, like supporting actress 
sometimes people the the movie will put up a certain person as a supporting role or a lead role even though they're not really a lead or a, a supporting even or a lead if they role. think there's less um, competition right, there, right they'll do that like they've done yeah. that with um uh daniel kaluuya from Judas and the black messiah and michelle williams is you know she is she a supporting actress or the main actress in in the fablemans um and so anyway that happens a lot in fact i think she said had that problem even though the, to me i think both of the two leads and she said i don't know who that yeah they both have about the same amount of screen time i think um, well you could almost say the same thing about brendan gleason and colin farrell i mean right I, I guess technically you can say that Brendan Gleeson is a little He's got more secondary. And he does have more scenes. Uh, um I mean not Brendan, but, yeah, Colin. Colin has more, yeah. but it's it's really about two guys, so yeah. But he, yeah. He has a lot more scenes than Brandon because he has scenes more with his with Barry or Dominic, the other guy, and also with his sister. Who also was nominated and didn't win. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved him. Me too. I thought I thought his character was so... Or, and his performance, I thought, was just fantastic. Yeah, he was great. Um, so anyway, but the, the big awards... And here's the other difference between the Oscars and Golden Globes. So in in um, the Oscars, you know, you now have 10. There are guaranteed 10 best pictures. And so since mm-hmm. there's... In the Golden Globes, there's five dramas and five musical comedies... There's probably a good chance that most of these out of these 10 will be in the best picture category, probably seven or eight. Um, And then, but the weird thing is Oscar divides up screenplay into two sets of categories, adapted and original. And we do the same thing with the critics. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Golden Globes doesn't do that. Golden Globes is just five nominees and Martin McDonough won. For Banshees. Well, the Golden Globes is just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Best Director is similar. So that one is one, you know, you might see these people in it. And Spielberg won for the Fablemans. Um, there's a lot of love yeah. for the Daniels and a lot of love for Martin McDonough. So I, I kind of think it's probably a three, well, four technically, but a three movie race, you yeah. know, for Best Director. But I think Spielberg is, he's just so beloved. Hollywood and even though I still am shocked because the movie did not do well in the box office but I you know the voters yeah, probably don't I care don't, you know that's that's what I was going to say I I really I mean I don't know that they would deliberately push away from something that that had a big box office but it doesn't surprise me at all yeah. that something would get kind of attention and adoration and Especially, you know, here's here's that cynicism coming out again. But, you know, Fablemans is a movie about movies. Yeah. And yep. they love those movies about movies. They love movies about movies. You see a lot of them. You, so, you go through all the best picture winners over the last uh, 12 years. There's about four that are related to movies or movie making or history yeah. of movies. I mean, it's a lot. Um, well, so which of which of the three would you think now, based based on what you saw at the Golden Globes, who do you think's the Oscar front runner? I, you know, I think it's probably the Fablemans, and here's so. why: the Banshees is very critically acclaimed, it's very beloved. But my argument about at least having somewhat of a popular movie to help restore movies, the Fablemans mm-hmm. made more than Banshees, so the Banshees also isn't a yeah. big box office movie. I. I I almost, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much it costs to make, but it's probably a failure. It probably lost money, like the Fablemans. Um, mm. Now, a big hit 
especially relative to what the expectation were is everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. You know, that made like yeah. 70 million or something. And, um, and then of course we have two absolutely gigantic movies, um, with Avatar and Top Gun. And there's some love, there's, there's a little bit of a groundswell for, for a Top Gun, not so much for Avatar, but for Top Gun Maverick that, mm-hmm. that you know, there's, would, there's a crazy, there's a so chance that could win Best Avatar Picture. Won. Uh, there's a chance that Top Gun Maverick could win Best Picture. I mean, if we see Kaczynski I, be great. getting a nomination would be for Best Director. I would be totally happy for that. If, if Kaczynski gets nominated for Best Director, which he wasn't nominated for Golden Globes, I, I would almost pick at that point, I would almost pick Top Gun Maverick. Because I think what would happen is it would split. Spielberg would win Best Director, but then the Fablemans would not win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And, and you see that a lot now. It used to be rare. It happens about every other year, year now. Um, oh, where there's the, the director of this picture. Yeah. It happened last year with Power of the Dog and Coda. And then it happened two, uh, three years ago with Green Book and Roma. And so, I mean, you just, it's, mm. it's quite often now, it seems like. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. It was, it's interesting to look at the list and kind of try to predict the Oscars. And the, the nominations still have a few weeks, I think, about the. Th- fourth week of january they come out um so yeah well and i also saw i saw that uh the pinocchio one pinocchio best animated yeah i need to i i, I still that. i still like marcel better i thought oh, okay was. i mean pinocchio was cool and don't get me wrong i i will always have a a genuine affection for any stop motion animation i just I love it. It's it's got such a cool feel and vibe, you know, that I I would never just arbitrarily put one down. But um, but I liked I liked Marcel the Shell better than than the Pinocchio. Um, so I guess there was some well disappointment when I read through that. Yeah, and Guillermo del Toro is much loved by the Academy. He's already won for Best Director, and so I think that um, Pinocchio's the front runner, probably. Yeah. Which and I think people are also happy that it's something other than Pixar because they usually win that category. Um, another shocker yeah. that was quite shocking is so RRR is kind of considered um, like some people think it's going to get the nomination for Best Picture, and India didn't even submit the film as its entrant for foreign <laughs> really? language film. Very interesting, and people love it. And Jason Blum, who started Blumhouse. You know, they did like Get Out movies sure. like that. They, uh, he predicts it to win Best Picture. He came out and he's like, came out on Twitter. He's like, mark it down. Believe me, I, I have nothing to do with this movie. I have no stake in this, but I'm, I think it's going to win Best Picture, which is so funny because <laughs> it may not even be nominated. Um, but the, in the Golden Globes, the movie Argentina 1985, Argentina Club yeah. 1985 won. Yeah. And it was, was actually right. a huge underdog. Every other movie listed there was. Uh, had better odds, including RRR, All Quiet on the Western Front, Close, and Decision to Leave. So, hmm. who knows? I mean, and that's always a hard... That's, for me, almost always the hardest category to predict is foreign language film. Really? Um, I remember back when uh, Amelie, which I love the movie Amelie, Amelie. Oh, dear, yes. That did not win. And it, re- and it was like almost not even a betting odds you know against it it was the movie no man's land and i ended up watching it and loving it but it was just this you know kind of bosnian war type movie okay. 
um, and it was uh, it was very good. But yeah, there, it's it's a lot of times it's just kind of a shocking, shocking result. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, that's a, I mean that's always been a fun category. I I think that. I mean, I have enjoyed a lot of kind of random foreign films here and there over the years. Mm-hmm. Amelie being one of them, I think. I don't know. I get yeah, yeah. We'd definitely consider Life Is Beautiful to be a foreign film. Oh yeah, that um, one, that one in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, it, it's when I started being a more regular critic. I guess you mm-hmm. know, doing reviews every week. You know, there was there was much more of an opportunity, if not an obligation, to see a lot more foreign films. And they're, you know, I I know that they're not mainstream. I know they're not the kind of thing that, you know, you're going to pack into the multiplex to see. But but anyway, some stuff like Banshees of Inisherin and you know Decision to Leave, and that, we we talked about Close. Um, you still haven't seen that one, right? No, I I really haven't Close. seen any. I have a lot yeah. on my list. I, I haven't um, seen any of the foreign films. No, it's a it, that's something I would I would kind of encourage people to check out a little bit. You know, I mean, it, it didn't you say close was your the kind of the top of your list for foreign films? I, you know, I wound up having to pick that one. Yeah, because there were things that I really liked about all the other ones. Now, now, Argentina nineteen eighty five was not one that I got to, so so mm-hmm. I can't vouch for that one. Uh, but I saw a decision to leave. I saw a broker. I saw. Hit the road. I saw um, close. Saw all quiet on the Western Front. Although technically, I saw the dubbed version of that, and so I I don't know if I should count that one as a foreign film. You um, should count it. You but, saw uh, all the blood. I did. I did. I saw the the tank run over the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but of all of them, I think close was the one that impacted me the most. Mm-hmm. That seemed to. to not necessarily resonate. It wasn't that I was relating to what was going on. It was just, I, I think I was more moved by what was going on than in some of the other movies. And so I enjoyed the the character studies and the interesting questions and the plots and all that of the other movies. But but the one that, that felt like, okay, I'm going to remember how this movie made me feel. Mm-hmm. That was close. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, when I was, trying to put together my favorites list for our podcast a couple weeks ago you know almost half of my options were some of these foreign films you know just wow. because they they seem to be as recommendable yeah as as a lot of the you know certainly the the big schlockbusters mm-hmm. <laughs> I was watching last year yeah, but but yeah, oh, I would be thrilled to death if Top Gun won Best Picture this year. That would be um, that would be so cool. It, it just, I yeah, I'm guessing it won't. Um, I could really see Fablemans winning it just because of what it is. I think it was a good movie, but I don't think it was the best one. Mm-hmm. But up until last year, my favorites never won anyway. So. Oh well. Oh wait, was Coda your favorite last oh, year? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, by a long shot. And that was that was weird because Coda was not a Oscar type movie. Like there there was nothing about that movie that said we're gunning for an Oscar, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, yeah, it was quite good. Because like I said, you did see that one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. That no, was fantastic. Nice. Well, anything else you'd like to? Uh, 
share or opine on? <laughs> no. Um, um, I think we're good. I still I did, have you a know, long list of movies to watch. So, yeah. Well, I checked. I just remembered while you were talking, there was another one that I intended to see, did not, and then did. I got together with a buddy the other night, and he had HBO Max, mm. and so I saw a Christmas Story Christmas. Oh. Like a week and a half after Christmas. Okay. <laughs> oh, that you don't sound very impressed. I've heard, I haven't heard good things about it. Did you like it? It was fine. It okay. was, I mean, it's nowhere near the original. Um, and it's, it's, so I saw a clip slash trailer of it a, a month or two ago and left thinking, ooh, this might not be very good. This might be one of those things best left alone. Okay. Um, but then I heard a couple of people say they enjoyed it. And so we watched it and, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be, signing up for HBO Max so I can go watch it repeatedly like that. But uh but no, no it was I don't know. Just to bring something new to the table. Yeah. Yep. Maybe for next next Christmas. You know the, you know the thing I noticed the most about it was that because the Ralphie actor is now an adult that he provided the voiceover narration instead of Gene Shepard, mm-hmm. who was the author of the book that you know the movie was based on. And that was kind of odd. It made sense, but I think to be a Christmas story movie, you got to have Gene Shepard as the narrator. Is he still around? I'm guessing he's not. I I would be, because, I mean, that movie was 40 years ago, and he was already, you know, that... Uh, yeah, I think he's, uh, he's been dead for a long time. 1999. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't an option anyway, but that's that was the thing that jumped out to me was mm-hmm. that yes, this movie is still being narrated, but it's not the same guy, and so something feels a little off. But it was still fun. I mean, I think I think if you I think if you're a huge fan of the original movie, it'd be worth seeing it for the same reason that I enjoyed seeing Blues Brothers 2000. Oh. Not because it's a good movie, but because it just you just see it's it's more of you know how a lot of sequels feel more like glorified reunions than actual movies. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Mm-hmm. This that's that's the way I would describe it. It's it's not that there's some amazing story to be told. Um it's more kind of the enjoyment of seeing people grown up that you saw years ago as kids and so did it have all the same actors mostly Uh, most of the child actors were there uh they had um the mother who is still alive the actress from the original movie is still alive but she her role yeah melinda dillon is still alive she was also i believe in close encounters of third kind Mm -hmm. um she was her her role was played by is it Julie Haggerty? She's from Airplane. Oh yeah. She plays the stewardess in Airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, so she plays the mother now grandmother, I guess. Um, and then, I mean, the premise of the movie, which is no big spoiler, is that the old man has just died mm. um, because I'm pretty sure that Darren McGavin passed away quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so so the parents aren't aren't present. Have been kind of changed. Um, but most everybody else is, I think, pretty much the same people. Certainly the, like, Schwartz and, and Flick. Um, but, uh, 
yeah so there's a there's a christmas movie half recommendation there for you in the middle of july or (laughs) january (laughs) not even july at least july would make a little more sense (laughs) um but yeah no so i don't know i think we gave a few good recommendations this time gave Mm -hmm. some covered some good ground we got uh kind of a thumbs up on plane we got a got a thumbs up on she said we got so far so good on rrr mm-hmm. and uh some some interesting goings on in the golden globes that may turn into more interesting goings on in the oscars in a little while yeah so well mark thanks as always thank you nice. and, and look at this we even we even came in under an hour yes for our our long long suffering dedicated listeners <laughs> so wherever you're at thanks for sticking with us uh until next time be uh, be excellent to each other and we'll be back with more movie stuff probably another week or two see ya